1: Oh, hello. There you are. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. That is my show. That is my podcast. My name is Shane Told. I play in a band Silverstein. I've been doing that for ooh a long time, 17 years. I've been the lead singer for that band. And now this podcast is all about me talking to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or Front Woman, for a professional band. And today, this week, we have a great episode with a guy that's been doing it even longer than me, a huge influence of mine. Uh, At one point in this podcast, I have to say, hey man, Like, if it wasn't for your band, my band wouldn't exist. And um, of course, he cracks a little bit of a joke there, but um, it's true. It's 100% true. I mean, growing up, I was a punk rock guy, Uh, loved punk rock, some hardcore didn't really get into the whole, you know, emo genre until I heard the Get Up Kids. And for me, they were really the band that bridged the gap for whatever reason. So that's right. We have Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids on the show this week. Before we get into it, I want to thank everybody that tuned in last week for my conversation with Kay Flay. Great episode. One of my favorites. Um, And hey, we got a lot of old episodes. We got like 75 of them if you haven't checked them out. So if you're new... To this show, please go back. There's some really, really great stuff. And of course, make sure you hit the subscribe button because we got some great episodes coming up in the future as well. If you want to get in touch, if you want to tell me what's up, what you think of the show, if you have suggestions for upcoming guests, anything like that, it's very simple. Syndrome at gmail.com is the email address. We're also on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So punch us in on there. I'm sure you'll find us. And if you're not so happy, if you don't like this episode, if you think I'm a terrible host, I have no business doing this. We get the hate line option. We've got the hate line. So give me a call. Leave me a message. One six five seven six 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 hate H-A-T-E. And ooh, I had a good hate line. Very good hate line coming next week And I will roll these clips eventually But hey, you know me I love the hate So please feel free to give me a call Again, that number one 657 hate In other news with me I'm going on a solo tour Very, very soon In fact, it starts this Wednesday May 10th in Chicago I'll be at the Beat Kitchen I'm really excited about that Then I go to Las Vegas on Friday, May 12th. Uh, That is at Beauty Bar, downtown Las Vegas. That'll be a lot of fun. Then I have three shows in California Anaheim House of Blues in the Small Room on Saturday, San Diego House of Blues in the Small Room on Sunday, Mother's Day. But I'm sure you could hang out with your mom earlier. You know, hang out with her during the day and then be like, Mom, yo, Mom, I got to go check out this sick show. She'll understand. Then, Monday night, Los Angeles, California at The Resident, which I've heard is a super, super sweet venue. Very excited to be there. Very excited to play some solo stuff. And, of course, I play a lot of Silverstein covers. I guess they're covers. They're my songs by my band, but they're acoustic, so they're kind of like covers. But I do that, and I do actual covers of other bands as well. Maybe even a Get Up Kids song. So, yes, tickets are available Go to riveroaksmusic.com for general admission tickets for VIP. But yeah, the tickets are like 13 bucks or something. It's super cheap. JT from Hawthorne Heights is opening up for me, which is super cool. So yeah, come be there. Again, the link Riveroaksmusic.com. We're about to get to my conversation with Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids, by the way. But I have to tell you guys about the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Now, this podcast is free. Free content will always be free. I do my weekly episode every Monday. Make sure you're subscribed, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But there are some people that need more. There are people that need more content, bonus episodes, maybe some more interaction with me, maybe some more interaction with other fans of the show. Maybe you want some Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. Maybe you want stuff mailed to your house. I don't know. But we have an option for you. And the best part of that is it really does help us keep the lights on, keep the show running week after week. Without the support, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. We wouldn't be able to bring this free content to you. So if you do enjoy it, please consider being a member of the All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, you can get in. And i got to say, everybody in the club is loving it. Shout out to all my sinners on the Facebook group. We're having contests. We're throwing parties. We're cracking jokes. We got meme threads. Whatever you want, it is happening. So the link for that is Syndrome.com slash allaccess. And that's where you can find all the info about it. Check it out. Read it. It is cool. It is fun. And it is just pennies a day. Again, syndrome.com slash allaccess. Alright let's get into it Here's my conversation With the one and only Matt Pryor Of the Get Up Kids There's room to- You've had me the whole time. I have you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you had me. I didn't have you. Fair enough. It's all good. No, How I know romantic. I know you're a veteran to podcasts, so you, you must have had your fair share of, of audio problems and connection problems <laughs> and all that, right? Yeah,
0: I, I got a couple of real doozies that I couldn't use because the audio was so bad.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that happened to me one time when a couple guys were doing a, a call together from a Starbucks on tour. That didn't work out so well, but uh, yeah, that just sounds like a bad idea. No, it was it was a terrible idea. Yeah, no, I had um, I, you know one question I have for you: Did you ever forget to hit record? Did that ever happen to you? Yeah,
0: I have done. That's when I decided when I started using the uh, Skype recorder, I figured out how to set it to automatically start recording immediately whenever yeah. I turned it on.
1: That's so funny. Yeah, no, I have happen- to. It's, it's happened to me just one time. Um, but hey, yeah, what can you do? Well, did you hit record for this? I did. I I make sure now. I make sure now. I'm good. We're a minute and 39 seconds in. It's perfect. So yeah, with the podcasting, uh, it seems like you're taking a bit of a break, hiatus from it. Um, is your <laughs> podcast nothing to write home about? Coming back? Uh, are you sure?
0: Uh, I don't know. I actually just wrote that down when uh, when Mike emailed me about talking to you. I was like, man, I wonder if I should set that up again. Because I'm getting ready to like go on the last leg of a of a album so I have a tour for an album, and I was like, "What do I got going on this summer?" Right. And I thought maybe that that would be one
1: one avenue. I just got I got kind of burnt on it. Yeah. After a while. Yeah, I'm like I'm like seventy five episodes in, and um, mm-hmm. I feel pretty good still about it. But uh, I could see it happening. Uh, you know, when you have that deadline, like I have every Monday, I have to put it on an episode, and there are yeah. weeks when it's like shit. I just have like a crazy week. You know, and I don't like to do podcasts too far in advance. Like, I don't like to have like ten in the bank, yeah. Uh, because then, you know, you're talking to somebody, and it's like it's not current anymore. You know? Yeah. It, it, there is. It is really nice to have that safety net, though. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's when I find I get stressed out when it's like, oh shit! I it's it's Friday, and I don't have one, and and my like fans of the show are expecting me to have an episode out on Monday. So I can totally understand how it could get. You could get burned out on it.
0: Well, I just got—I got to a point where I was like, I was doing the booking, I was doing the the interviewing, I was doing the editing, yeah. Uh, and I really wasn't making any money off of it. Not that that was the only reason to do it, but I kind of had to. I mean, I have—I'm spinning so many plates right now that it was kind of like, all right, I, something's got to give for at least a while.
1: I get it. No, and you are. I mean, you do have a lot—a lot going on. So many projects that seem to sort of come and go. Um, which I like. I like that about, about you and your career. Um, you know, you think you seem to put things on ice for a bit and then come back to them. Um, but, you know, with the podcast thing, and this is a podcast and people I think are interested in podcasts and, and, and the whole, like, you know, you talk about money and all that. You got into it pretty early on. I mean, like, what did you start it? Five years ago? Uh, yeah. And at that point, podcasts were not what they are today. They're like, in terms of advertising revenue and monetizing it, uh, and even just the listenership. You were kind of in on the ground floor. How did you, dis- why, why did you decide to start a podcast and, 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 you know, do that whole thing?
0: Well, uh, let's see. In 2012, I had decided that I wanted to quit uh, the music industry. I was super, super burnt out on touring and, 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 make and performing and all that kind of stuff and and really just uh being gone, I was burnt on being gone, yeah, and so i uh I went and I worked on a friend's farm uh, for about seven or eight months wow. and while i was and it was it was fantastic it was it was i mean I almost went bankrupt because you know you can't feed a family on a farmhand's wage but uh the whole time I would just listen to I discovered like you know, Marin and, and all these other comedy podcasts. And cause I'd been a big NPR head for like a long time, like on tour, right? listening to, to this American life and wait, wait, and all that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't that weird for me to like switch over to, you know, just people talking. And so, you know, I would spend, you know, five, six hours a day, you know, picking radishes and listening to podcasts <laughs> and uh I got to a point where I was kind of like all Marins doing is talking to his friends who happen to be comedians and I was like I know people who happen to be musicians I could probably do something like this yeah. and I've also been I've also done enough bad interviews that I know how to like carry on a conversational interview you know what I mean like I don't Absolutely.
1: That's I mean that's the biggest thing is is that you know and that's how I got into it too through through I had to do some magazine article where I had to where me and Buddy from Census Fail were interviewing each other, and I was like, mm-hmm. and he like said to me after he was like, "Oh, those were great questions, man," and I was like, "Oh, well, shit, you know, maybe, it, maybe there's something there."
0: Yeah, I think there's something, definitely something there when you're uh, a musician yourself and you're not just a journalist. Like the things that are important to you, yeah, um, are different than not always, but sometimes like you know, the (laughs) sometimes just straight up music journalists can get like deeper than you actually do as an artist. It's like, you're like, so how did, did you really think that you were like changing the shape of, you know, the scene and your sound is like, uh, no, we just thought the song was good. Like, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: You know, like, yeah, my favorite is when they, when they reference like, That like for you, it'd be like referencing like the Woodson EP, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Or something like they'll go super deep and they'll talk about some song and ask you about writing it. Like, where were you? What were you feeling when you it's like, I don't know. I was like 17 years old and like it's like it's just funny how 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 those little details like they mean so much to some fans and, and especially some journalists that are just, let's be honest, fucking nerds. And, uh, and really for you as just a musician, it's like, I don't know. I don't even, I never, I haven't thought about that in in years and I don't remember.
0: Well, but for me, it's, it's also just kind of like, I just thought this was kind of bitching, you know, (laughs) like, it's just like, it's like, I remember when we wrote that, like, I, I do remember a lot of times when we wrote something and, and, but I don't remember like, I didn't like sit down and like write a manifesto about like what I wanted to say. Right. It's just like just like we had good influences that we were ripping off and I missed my girlfriend. So, I mean, that's basically the, <laughs> that's the magic potion, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you're right. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, you know, we, we, the song sounded cool. We liked it. And I was too young to have the common sense to not write fucking emo sounding bullshit <laughs> that people
1: now really relate to it's it is you funny know. though. well let's, let's. that's a good place to dive in I mean obviously like first time on the show and uh you're I mean I'm a huge fan of of you uh, one of the things I thought about maybe talking to you about was you as a podcaster like were there ever people that you interviewed there you were like oh shit I'm like gonna talk to this fucking guy like for me in a way you, that's who you are for me Like, Silverstein Silverstein would not exist if it wasn't for the Get Up Kids. Just would not exist. Oh, so it's our fault. (laughs) You ruined—a lot of people are mad because of you. (laughs) But, uh, no, but seriously, I mean, we grew up as, like, punk rock kids. You know, I was into punk rock and skate punk and all that shit and some hardcore. And then it was really—the Get Up Kids were the first band. I was like, huh— I see, like, this makes sense to me. And that was, to me, kind of like a transition into, you know, so many of the other great bands that at the time were your peers. And, and I just sort of mm-hmm. got into. So, you know, for me, this is, this is really cool to talk to you about. How you, you got started in this, you know, you already threw the word emo out there, so now I can. Uh, the whole emo thing, you know. And I'm sure, like, there was a time when you were like, what the hell, like, what, what are people talking about? We're just, we're just like a punk band from the Midwest or whatever. Maybe we're a little different, but how how did that all happen? How did you get into, obviously, like, punk rock and, you know, the hardcore music scene in Kansas, but then transitioning into, like, what your band sounded like and and kind of taking this term or not taking this term and running with it? Uh, well, okay. Coming from my,
0: how do I explain this? So, like, the the term punk rock is, is kind of a subjective uh, Subjective thing, and like sure. with the uh, me and my bandmates, it kind of w- we all have very, very different like tastes in music, and there are certain things that we all agree upon. Primarily, like one of the main ones is Fugazi, and yeah. it's sort of like uh, when we were younger, we didn't like we didn't really listen to punk rock as far as, like, what was big at the time. Like, you know, like, when I was in high school, it was, like, Green Day blew up, and then,
1: like... Rancid and no effects and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and, like, that's... that's. I mean, I, I do like... I feel the same way about, like, that kind of, like, fat records and epitaph stuff as I do about, like, proper hardcore, where it's just, like, I like certain things of it a lot, but as a whole, I don't just, like, blanketly like all you know, Southern California, pop punk bands. Um, right. And that's, and that's just me. But, um, at the time, I mean, we, so we were all like, there's, there's not really like a, a scene in Kansas city. There was like a, 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 bar scene and it was like, it was heavier. It was more like, uh, pretty heavily influenced by that band failure. Yeah. You, you know them? Of course. Like, yeah. uh, so there's bands like season of risk and Molly McGuire and Shiner, who's probably the, the kind of like the real standout of that as far as like uh probably did it the i don't want to say the best but they they were really good and um and so these are all people that we were friends with but like there wasn't like a scene because we were younger than all of them and they were playing bars and we were kind of teaming up with like local pop punk bands and local hardcore bands and local indie rock bands Uh, to do like VFW Hall shows and basement shows. And it was that time when kind of like in the mid-90s when it was sort of like, well, there's not really enough of us that sound similar to like go around. Uh, So we might as well just play with this noise rock band. Sure. This pop punk band, this ska band, and us. And it's just kind of like, well, well, then we'll just put a show together. And uh, I mean, we... Always considered ourselves more of like an indie pop band, and so we were really in, like influenced by like Superchunk and Archers of Loaf, but then also like you know early Jimmy Eat World and yeah. uh, this band from Kansas City, Boys Life, were a really big influence right. on us. Yeah,
2: yeah. sure.
0: Um, even in the sense of like they they gave us some of our first contacts for our first tour. You know, like they were they were instrumental creatively and you know uh business-wise but it's this weird thing because it was kind of like we we were we were writing what we thought were sort of like just pop songs maybe a little bit on the heavier side of like pop music because you know we liked Weezer and like you break that down it's like those first two Weezer records the guitars are huge the drums are huge it's basically like a heavy metal band playing you know 70s pop music yeah and so we were pretty influenced by that. And, we, we, you know, we just kind of wrote what we wrote. And it was sort of like by default because we sent it out. We put out our first seven inch ourselves. So you got that, you know, that discord DIY work ethic of like, well, you know, we got it, We'll just do it ourselves because no one else is going to do it for us. Sure. And then we sent it to labels. You know, somewhere I still have our rejection letter from Warner <laughs> Brothers, you know, in awesome. 1990, yeah. 1996. And then the only people who were really interested in it were these, like, kind of indie pseudo-hardcore record labels like Doghouse or yeah. Initial and, you know...
1: <laughs> I mean, initial. I forgot about Initial. I like yeah, that they had those. Was... They they had some great bands. I love they had you know you know back in those days when they had those those compil like, compilations were a big thing, right? Like the Fat yeah. Records ones and the Epitaph ones were but were were uh, especially famous. But I remember Initial had one like that was like extreme hardcore music and like fluorescent letters. It was like mm-hmm. super cheesy. Do you remember that? I want to try to yeah. find, the, find the cover of that. But they did have those... some great bands. Those
0: guys were great because they they didn't take it seriously. They right. were like yeah, yeah, yeah they were like jokers you know. So it's yeah. like it was like yeah we're extreme hardcore skateboards are rad you know like <laughs> yeah. and so we were drawn to them because we didn't know anything like we didn't know a scene we didn't know what a hardcore scene was. But then all of a sudden we put a record out on Doghouse and everyone's like oh you guys are straight edge and, and vegan and, and everything right? We're like. No, man. We're from Kansas, Kansas City.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's right. there's
0: literally one straight edge guy in Kansas City and it's Dan from second nature. Like it's just like
1: <laughs> second nature recordings. They put out the first grade records, man. I yep. love that. What a label. I didn't know I didn't know it was Kansas City. I guess that I didn't did know that was Kansas City actually. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Anyways, we're getting deep. Well, speaking of grade, uh Kyle did the
0: record cover for the get up kids coalesce split that came out on second nature
2: Sick.
0: um but awesome. then like yeah like dan dan put out the first reggie the full effect record he put yeah. out you know casket lottery put out rocky Volato. like a lot of good shit yeah um where was i oh but we were sort of just kind of i don't know i think that maybe like we we were we've kind of always at least in the beginning it was kind of like we were like in the wrong pond kind of yeah. and I, like and everyone's like oh this is like new and fresh and like eh, not really you just have been like listening to Jud for too long you know like <laughs> yeah yeah it's like we're really just kind of ripping off these bands who you ha- apparently haven't heard um that's funny but yeah, yeah. and that's just kind of kind of where it comes from so like you know and this gets back to that like overthinking journalist, like
1: like was like, like we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> you know like we were yeah, just like well, a lot of people we're found just, out about... We're 18. Yeah. Well, a lot of people found out about the Get Up Kids, like, after this period of time, too, right? And by the time that had emerged, you know, like, like bef- you know, kind of like... I-, I think I found out about you guys, like, kind of after 4-Minute uh, Mile had come out, before mm-hmm. Something to Write Home About came out, like, in that kind of period of time. And I feel like I was... That was common. That was when you guys were blowing up. And, I mean, for, for everybody else, like, I didn't really know what, where you guys were from, I, like, thought you guys were in the same kind of scene as, like, bands like Mineral, all the Jade Tree stuff, uh, you know, a, 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 a lot, lot of those the- bands. And, and But you guys really didn't align yourself with those bands at all, at, at least in terms of your but influences we were, and where you came from. We were friends with them, and we toured with them. Like, we toured with Mineral, we toured with Braid. We played with The Promise
0: Ring a handful of times. Right, yeah. Uh But it wasn't, like, we've always just considered ourselves, you know, like a – like a singular unit you know like we, yeah. it, it was very much like you know we didn't have like a scene to like help prop us up and so in the beginning it was kind of like all of this that we had we kind of earned on our own and it was that's i guess that's sort of how we've always proceeded and we understand now that it's like it's easy to like lump bands from a similar era especially when they all toured together and they were all friends yeah, sure but it's kind of like you know we just we were just together kids and that's it
2: <laughs> you know like well wh-
1: where did this emo thing come from where did this term come from when did you first kind of hear about it and what were your like reactions when this is just what you were now
0: uh well i always tell people that when let's say like this is like 94 95 that emo was always pr- preceded by the word fucking so it would be like fucking emo kids Right. right. Yeah. Sure. And it was kind of a very like maximum rock and roll, screeching weasel, heavy period of our lives in in Kansas City, which you know some of the guys in my band have just no tolerance for at all. But um, and so like the kind of like punk rock guys are like, "What is this emo bullshit?" And then you know, so that's where like that's what it's kind of like. And then you when you really break it down, you're just kind of like. Okay, so emo is short for emotional. Like, what kind of music isn't emotional? Like, of course, sure. Is is Wagner not emotional because it's not emo? <laughs> you know, it's like other than maybe like, I don't know, like some like EDM stuff, maybe you <laughs> know, like might not be. Ah, but it can still elicit emotions. They're just very emotional
1: about trucks and beer, and you know, yeah.
0: It but makes, uh, no,
1: I know what you're. I know what you're saying. Totally. Um... Hmm. But so I never, I never really got it, and
0: I never, we never really claimed it. But it was just sort of like, at the same time, it's like, what are you going to do? Spend your whole life fighting that, you know? Like, if that's what, you don't have any, right. any control over what people call you. No,
1: but then there was some, like, I mean, remember the emo game? I mean, you must remember the yeah, emo game. Of course, we were um, in it. You were in it, of course. You know, and like that was a, that was a thing. Like, what, what, like, I don't know. I just picture. You know, you're only a couple years older than me, but growing up where you did, not really, like, emo wasn't, wasn't a thing. Then all of a sudden, you start a band, someone puts a label on it, and now you're in a video game. And everyone's calling you this. It just must have been so weird for you. Um, I mean, I don't think it was that weird. Okay. It was just kind of okay. dumb. It was more dumb than weird.
0: Like, it was just so sort of like, hey, this is some jackass made a video game where our bass player gets raped by Steven Tyler <laughs> from Aerosmith. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, wow, that's pretty out there, man. And so we actually contacted the emo game guy and got the images of our characters in the game and we made a t-shirt out of it because we were just like, right. yeah, man, it's funny. You might as well embrace uh, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just kind of funny because we made this t-shirt and like nobody bought it because not – like it doesn't seem like that many people actually played the emo <laughs> game,
2: but – it was, I don't, I don't know, it was think I funny.
1: actually ever played it. Uh, to come to th- come to think of it, I don't think I actually played it, but I remember it it being like pretty big for you know a few months or whatever. <laughs> I wonder if it's I still like- out there if you can still play it. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sure check. you can find it somewhere.
0: Try to find it. It's it was such a funny like cultural because it's kind of at the same time that like the internet, kind of the MySpace era of the right. internet, and it's just a very like eight bit game before that was a thing. You know, where before, like, that was like a a retro style, but right. it's, you know,
1: it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's great, man. So, uh, it sounds like you're outside, uh, there's some birds around, you're hanging out, I know you have a family trip this weekend. How are things in your life these days? I know you have a new solo record that you put out a few months ago, and you're on, going on tour with that. What's, uh, what's kind of, lo- like, day in the life of uh, Matt Pryor these days?
0: Well, it depends on the day. Today, <laughs> I got up and got the boys ready to get to school and got them to school and then answered a bunch of emails and then I went to the gym and then I came home and ate something and then I'm talking to you.
1: Pretty, and good. Then Pretty good day so far. This
0: afternoon, I'm probably going to work on some downright songs and then pick the kids up from school and... Make dinner and that kind of like boring domesticated shit.
1: Doesn't sound bad to me, man. I mean, that sounds pretty Hello? good to me. Oh, yeah, I'm here. You got me? Hello. I have you. I have you now. Oh, weird. Hello? You got me? I don't know what that was about. I don't know. It's sketchy. It's, it's yeah. hey. I'm on that weird Canadian. We have weird Canadian phones up here. They're just not not as good as American phones. Um, <laughs> is, it, is that a really is that a thing? No, it's not a thing. I'd never i never like
0: heard that prejudice. Before. I like to tell yeah, I
1: like to tell people, oh, it's this weird Canada, it's like weird. people are like, Really? Really? Is that <laughs> uh, uh yeah, the, uh, so the downright thing, I had Mark from Spillfield on the show uh, a few a while back. I did a, I actually did a solo tour with him uh over over Christmas as well. Uh how are you finding that stuff? for people that don't know, basically People can contact you and have you write a song for them, uh, like a customized song. That's how it works, right? Yeah. So do you do a lot of them? Do you enjoy it? Um, I do. I get
0: busy at certain times of the year. Like, I'm a little bit busy right now because of Mother's Day coming up, oh, but okay. – uh, because I'd say ninety percent of what I write are for this service is, is like love songs, like ba- love ballady kind of "I'll catch you" sort of things, and uh, so that tends to be Valentine's Day, Christmas, and then like and you know peppered oh, yeah. throughout the year with like anniversaries and and weddings and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I it, it's not artistically fulfilling by any means but it 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 is nice to be able to to find another like revenue stream that i can still be creative but not have to be gone away from the family and so in that regards it's 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 great um but if that was the only thing that i did i think i i don't think it would be like it's kind i kind of liken it to like It's almost kind of like being in advertising or, (laughs) you know, like it's just sort of like I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for someone else who's paying me, which, you know, I guess that's kind of what touring is, too. Yeah. If you really think about it.
1: In some respect, it is. Yeah. Although, you know, some people I mean, I know you're not a huge touring guy. I mean, I know that that's part of why the get up kids went away initially. Uh, You know, I know that you don't like being away from your family for long periods of time. Uh, So I, I get that. Um, but before we get into that stuff, with, with this, as a songwriter, what's your approach with this stuff? Like, do you just kind of sit down with a guitar and play like a G and then figure out a little melody and then kind of just... For the, for, for the, the down, downright For stuff? the downright stuff, yeah, like, like... For the
0: downright stuff, I usually sit, what I do is I sit down with what they've given me and I kind of write it out like a poem, um just kind of like, cause it's, it's, I'll ask a lot of the questions of like, you know, like, so we're saying it's up for a relationship or something like that. It's like, so tell me about the time you met, when you proposed right. the fun trip you went on together. The best is, I think is when it's like, what's the one thing that you two say to each other that no one else says, or you call each other or, right. you know, that kind of thing. Cause then that, that's basically a chorus, you know, <laughs> right, right there. so it just kind of, um, and then, uh, you know, I just kind of like write it out in sort of like kind of standard stanzas and then, uh, depending on what kind of song they want, I'll kind of like come up with a, a couple different chords for it and then just kind of hash out the melody and then I have to edit the lines a little bit sometimes based on, you know, what, what, uh, what chords I come up with and like for syllables and, and then all that kind of yeah, stuff. Sure. But it's, it's, I mean, the, the, the chord, the, the songs themselves are not really like musically, not like reinventing the wheel, but, uh, the lyrics are all highly specific and highly right. personal. And I think that's more what people are, are paying for, you know, like,
1: I think so too. I was
0: going to say, if, if I accidentally repeat a melody in two different songs, I don't think it's the end of the world.
1: No, I mean, as long as you're not repeating a melody and a chord progression, <laughs> you know, and yeah. everything. But I'm sure, like, I mean, I know, like, like um, the first guy or one of the first guys to do it was, like, Max from Say Anything with the song shop that he opened up. And right. He, and he, I mean, I, apparently he's done, like, thousands of them. That's what he says. Which is crazy. Um, that is what he says. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, but if it's if it's true. How many have you done? Um, Coming up on, like, 800. 800? Yeah. Damn, that is I mean, a lot. I mean,
0: that's over, That's over like, four years, I think. That's, still, like, that's
1: still so many, though, man. Like, t- 200 yeah. a year? That's How long does it take you to, to bang one out, typically? I mean, I'm sure it's not always the same, but...
0: Um, half hour, maybe. Like you know it's i mean i don't want to diminish it at all but it's no, it's
1: well, not you're being honest that's that's quick i couldn't i just couldn't do it i don't think i think because i've never written songs that way i think every time i write a song it's like okay i'm going to put this on a record and you know and this is going to be my name behind it and everyone's going to hear this anyone that that finds it i think that i've never written in that way i think it would be hard to separate
0: well it's it's a different mindset it's not yeah. really a matter of separating it because i still have that mindset when i'm i'm writing you know my own stuff, but in this regard, I'm writing for the two people that are gonna hear it. You know yeah. what I mean, and so, so like, as long as they're happy, then I've done my job correctly, you know, and i'm not I'm not going for like mass appeal on mm-hmm. it. it's just sort of like you know you're stoked, then I did good, and that's and that's and it's just it's a different it's a you know again, like I said, it's not like. The most creative outlet in the world but it's it's also it's kind of like uh working a, a different part of your brain a different muscle in your brain you know like we're just like okay like i can sit down and bang out lyrics pretty quickly now even like we did some new Get Up kids songs and it was just like i didn't have lyrics the morning that i was supposed to do vocals and i was like <laughs> all right just give me give me an hour and, I'll, and I, you know, I'm really happy with what I came up with. You know, it's just yeah. like, and it, it, but it's, it's, it's kind of become. I don't know. It's made me. I think it's made me a a, a better writer
1: and a, certainly a more prof, like prolific one. Oh, definitely prolific. That's the right word. Are you so? You're are you a bit of a last minute guy when you write lyrics and stuff? Like, have been lately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like. Uh,
0: I mean, I have to have a reason to write. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like I don't, I don't have enough time when I'm home to, like, just sit around and dick around on guitar on my porch and, like, wait for inspiration to hit me. It just sort of, like, it's like, okay, now it's the time to write, so sit down and write something. So that's what I do.
1: So that's, that must just be so much different than when you were younger, writing songs. I mean, like, it's, I don't know. I, um... Yeah, it's just well, it's, so much. Well, it's it's, diff-
0: it's different in, it's different in the sense that like it doesn't take me as long to write lyrics. I can still very much like get together with a group of other musicians and we can come up with like a riff and an arrangement and I can hear the vocal melody like I'll I'll just be like, "Okay, let's do this. You know, let's do this pre-chorus two times instead of one." Because I've got an idea for a melody in my head that would work better as two. Right. And then I can just kind of then take that. Like with Get It Kids, we can write like a complete song with no vocals in it. And I can take it home and hash out a melody and lyrics to it. Like it, it's just That's a skill I've developed, yeah. I guess.
1: Well, sure, sure, of course. You ever do any co writing with like other other people, artists, anything like that? not a lot outside of like band work yeah. like I'm surprised I'm a little surprised about that actually like it sounds like you'd be really good in that role and you know I don't know it seems like something you could well, do that's outside of you know the the whole putting out a record touring for 2 years like you've done you know for a lot of your career
0: the, what I from the way I've kind of observed that sort of like co-writing world is it's like a hard nut to crack and then once you actually crack it, then you get a lot of work. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but like, I've, I've never really pursued it yeah. that much. I also, I've, I've found that like, I think I work better when I'm working with people who don't have the same skill set that I do. So like, if I surround myself with a really good bass player and a really good drummer and like I have a song idea, then they can make that song better. But then, I don't know, I've never really tried to sit down just, I mean, other than like with Jim, like I don't think I've really ever like, I don't know. So uh, Part of me is just kind of like, just let me do, the one thing I'm good at is lyrics and melody, so just let me do that. You figure (laughs) out, you figure out the drum part, you figure out the bass part, and we'll go from there.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's cool. No, I mean, everyone's different, you know, that's why I have this show. Uh, So your voice... Obviously, it's the Lead Singer Center podcast. We are singers. We talk about how hard our lives are going on tour and having to sing every night. Um, your voice really, I felt like as a fan of your band and seeing you guys grow uh, over the years, I felt like the best I ever saw you sing live was when you guys did the reunion stuff, whenever that was. I think I it was like the bamboozle left or show or whatever when you guys had been gone for a while and came back. Um, and I saw you. I was like, "That was the best I've ever seen you guys play, and the best I've ever seen Matt sing." H- how did your vo- voice develop over the years? Did you have trouble with it? Uh, you know, when you were obviously like young and still kind of finding your voice, um, how was that for you? Um, let's see. I
0: started singing in this like pop punk band called Secret Decoder Ring. I was just a guitar player up till that point, and I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, but we played. We played so many shows that. I just, you know, it was one of those, like, nobody else wanted
1: to sing kind of things. And then... I would say of the people that come on the show, it's like 75% say that. Started out as a guitar player, had no interest in singing. I was the only guy that could carry a tune. That's like, that's such a classic story. So it's...
0: Well, but even at the time, I I don't know that I was opposed to being a singer. I just... Didn't think I was very good at it. You know what
1: I mean? Like, okay, yeah. So you then, were interested, but then and you just, yeah, you weren't weren't super. But then
0: confident. nobody, no, nobody really was. And, but and so then you can kind of hear that by the time Get Up Kids come around that like, I mean, the vocals on Four Minute Mile are horrible. They're completely flat the whole the whole record, and it's this thing where it, like, uh, I don't know. There's something about that kind of. Ineptitude on my part that seems to be sort of endearing to people. And, yeah, uh, yeah. but like when I sing those songs now, like they're in key and they sound better. And no one's like, <laughs> no one ever says, you don't sing, you don't sing Amy as shitty as you did on the record. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then it's just a matter of like putting in your 10,000 hours. I actually think I'm I'm a better singer now than I I have been in a long time. The thing with Get Up Kids though is that it's so taxing because it's a lot of, it's a lot of like something right home about is almost entirely at the top of my range. Yeah, at, like almost every like all the ones that people really want to hear, it's all <laughs> like at the top of my range, and it's just kind of like you know doing that for four weeks straight. I'm pretty, you know, shredded by the end of it. Like I can't go yeah. out to the mer- I can't go out to the merch table after a Get Up Good show. Like I can't, I can't sing like that for an hour and a half and then go talk to people over like the PA playing or go out with everybody after the show. I have to go back to the bus and just,
1: you know. Really, that's is that that's really how it is. Even over all these years of doing it, you still you never really got the stamina like you you could. Or just, I mean.
0: It just—it doesn't like—it's—it's it's just not worth it. Like you right. know what I mean. Like it's—it's kind of like, uh, you know, I—I, I, I, if I—if we play a show and then I go out with the guys after the show, then I'll be
1: completely hoarse the next day. So, you know, it's just—it is what it is. That's crazy. Yeah. No. I mean, did that bum you out though? Like, like, you—you you know, you play these shows and it's like great and awesome and then like everyone else is kind of going out and celebrating and hanging out and you're just like well I'm just going to like sit in the bus is that like kind of hard for you like I mean you're social um,
0: yeah but I'm not really a big bar like, I, I'm i fine to like sit on the bus and, and drink some beers and watch TV you know what I mean like that doesn't bother me uh, it's more just like I get I definitely get jealous like it's it's hard for me to like Sing, like I can't sing if my voice like. Um, like I can still play guitar, but I, I don't, how do I explain this? It, it terrifies me not being able to to hit the notes. Like it's like the the only part of performing that I'm actually scared of, uh, is when your your voice is kind of shot and like you try to hit the high note and you just can't
1: can't get there and. Yeah.
0: And it just, it's embarrassing, and it's just, and then, like, you know, the people who paid money, they want to hear, you know, the song they want to hear, and it's just, like, so then it's, like, my fault, you know, if I can't do it. And, like, the rest of the guys in the band don't have that problem. No. You know what I mean? Like, they could be
1: hungover as fuck, and it's just, like,
0: oh, yeah. I can still play bass. <laughs> <You> know,
1: like, <laughs> yeah, I always say. I forget who I had was talking to the other day. I was like, if I was a bass player in a band, I just I'd be a total alcoholic piece of shit. Uh, yeah, and I know I probably wouldn't be, but in my mind, I'd be like, I can do anything. Like you know, because there's there's you know, you don't have to worry about the next day. Um, well, there's
0: that. That's the bass player joke. It's like, yeah,
1: a bass player walks past a bar. No, it could happen.
0: <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I've actually so I started this uh, this pop punk band with uh, it's me and Josh from the anniversary and Jim from Get Up Kids and this guy Adam who plays drums in a Kansas City band called the Architects and I'm playing bass and they're like like I'm we're all singing and I'm playing bass and singing and they're like I was like I could play guitar we can get a bass player and like no we don't want to pay anybody else to play bass I'm like all right so I'll play bass. <laughs> And they're like, "So, what kind of like bass rig are you going to get?" And I'm like, "Who gives a shit? I play bass." <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. I'm in charge I'm in charge of bringing beer to practice. <laughs>
1: That's funny. That is funny. So, no, I mean, yeah, it is I played bass for a very short time in like a band where I had no responsibilities and it was it was tr- it was really fun, definitely. Um is it true that you guys used to pick your songs like Basically, pull your set list, just name like song names out of a hat.
0: Uh, we have done that.
1: I don't. It's not,
0: not something we do now.
1: I heard. Yeah, I think I, this is like back in the. Yeah, I'm like I'm talking over ten years ago. Somebody told me that you used to do that, and uh, I wondered if that was true. And I wondered <laughs> also if, I mean, as a singer and somebody that's worried about their voice, that sounds like kind of a horrible idea.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I don't think that wasn't like a like a. Like a a
1: common practice, oh, okay. but like I, I like somebody told me you did it for like years or something, but I guess that's not. True. No,
0: but I mean, when you're when you're 20 years old and you're playing in a basement and you can't hear yourself sing over the vocal PA anyway, and you're only playing for 30 minutes, then you're kind of invincible and you can do anything, you know. Totally. At that point, it was actually harder to sing the quiet ones because
1: you couldn't hear yourself sing. Absolutely, no, I know. And there, well, there's like a confidence thing too there, too. I think when you're just like singing all the way, it, it doesn't matter as much when you're singing all mm-hmm. like. There's nothing worse than singing like a quiet part where you, you miss the note like completely and it like seems like very noticeable, too. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I've kind of learned how to deal with that because
0: like, I've performed like solo so many times now. And it's actually something that I've been – uh instilling like my daughter's been on tour with me uh and she's been performing she's a a singer songwriter herself and like one of she's 15 cool and uh one of the first things that i that i taught her was like i'm like if you fuck up just keep going if you fuck up like really bad then laugh at yourself and make a joke about it but like if you just kind of fuck up a little bit like even if people do notice they'll forget
1: yeah you know no, so, it's, it's and, true. Someone somebody told me one time, I forget who it was, an older band that took us out on out on tour and said, never like if your voice is off a little bit, never apologize to the crowd, never bring it up. Cuz if you bring it up, people will talk like people will notice it more. People will be like, "Oh, he was off." And then they'll be listening for for you to like make mistakes. And most people don't notice it cuz you know, as singers, we're our own worst critics.
0: Yeah, I think there's a balance. I think that like a certain amount of self-deprecation is endearing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think if you take, I think if you take yourself too seriously and you suck, then that's almost worse than being like, "Hey guys, I've got a cold." Right? Why don't you guys? Why don't you guys help me out? Like,
1: right? Sure. You know, like
0: I'll like in those in those instances, I don't like. Okay, so if I'm gonna play like a solo show, I, I play maybe three or four get a kid songs in my set and i kind of mostly just kind of like play what i want and then i you know do a handful that are kind of like gimmies. and then but if like my voice is going i'll just be like all right i'll play whatever you want as long as you guys help me sing it and then that's a whole different like fun experience for yeah. people you know and it's just kind of like you know you're just kind of admitting that you're human <laughs> you know which is for sure. Uh, but like you know if, if we're doing like a big show in like a theater it's kind of like I'd probably take more pains to like try and arrange the set list in a way where I had more breaks and maybe we were playing more of the like mid tempo stuff that I didn't have to scream or we were like saving a lot of that stuff for the end where maybe I'm like more warmed up you know what I mean yeah
1: totally totally no I totally get it uh, but back to your daughter so she's 15 uh, she's aspiring musician H- have you like has she just taken interest in 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 like you as a musician young, young like earlier in her life how did that all start? no uh,
0: she I mean we we had them start taking piano lessons when they were in like first grade and then that kind of morphed into taking guitar lessons. And then she got really into like uh, like Nico Case and Tegan and Sarah and uh, a lot of like female uh, singer songwriters. And she just started playing guitar and singing. And then one day, like going from seventh grade to eighth grade, it was like, "Holy shit, her voice is amazing!" Like, when did this right? Like when did this happen? And like everyone kind of like took notice of it, and it's just sort of like now she plays shows with me, and afterwards people are like, "Your daughter's voice is amazing, you're okay too
2: <laughs> that's
0: great so she's got she's got some definite like raw talent, but she's she's been on tour with me this whole year so far, and she's definitely putting
1: in her hours. she's getting better and better. That's cool. So do you bring – is it just like do you bring your, your wife or do you bring your like other kids too or how does it work? Just you guys?
0: Well, that, that's the goal. The goal is to try and convince my wife to sell our house and buy an RV and we'll just go on tour for a year. And then uh, – but so this was kind of like the first test of it because then okay. it's a whole, nother, a whole nother thing of like – so my daughter Lily, she's, she has to be in uh, – and she wants to be in – there's a, a, like a virtual school. Here, yeah. so she's a she's a freshman in high school, and so she's or uh, I believe that would be grade nine for That's you. Right. Grade nine, you got it.
1: And you know your uh, Canadian stuff. Yeah.
0: I know my way. I know my. Way. I've been around the world, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. So the, Kansas has a really good like online school program. It's not homeschooling. Like I'm not her teacher. Yeah. It's more like taking like online courses in college. And so she does like what she does. Like we're we're gone, we're leaving next Wednesday, a week from today, for ten days. So what she's doing while we're home is she's kind of like getting two weeks worth of work done, so that when we're out on the road, she doesn't have to fuck with it. And then she's actually getting an independent study and music credit for being on tour. So oh,
1: that's very it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's super cool. You guys tour like you guys tour in a van. Like, how do you guys how do you guys do that logistically? It must be different for you, you know, all those years touring like with other guys and you know just the way it is, like either on a bus or or in a van with a bunch of dudes. And this is like now you're with your daughter. It must be just such a different vibe.
0: Uh it's it's well, uh, uh, so this this since my record came out in February, I've been doing uh, basically four short co-headlining runs with Dan Andriano from the Alkaline Trio. Yep. And he and I have toured together on acoustic tours and it's very much just like guys in the van. And you know, it can get a little raunchy. But like sure, it's it every
1: like it's all it's all dads, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes dads are the worst though, let's be honest.
0: Well yeah, and sometimes you just, <laughs> you know, you you want to let loose. But like uh I mean, honestly, like I was saying before, like I don't really go out after the show anyway. So it's just kind of like, all right, so show's over, let's go to the hotel, you know, let's watch, you know, late night and then go to bed. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, just, it's not, it's, it's, it's pretty normal. Um, I really would like, cause I, I really enjoy camping a lot. I would really like to do it in a, in an RV just because I like to cook. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I miss when I'm, you know, in a van is there's nowhere for me to cook. I have to eat out all the time.
1: So. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Does your daughter, is, is it like, is there ever like a concern that she's like missing out on kind of like that normal, like, you know, high school life that, like, that you had or, or that, you know, people have and, and that she's hanging out with, you know, 30 year old, you know, dudes in their 30s and not like people her own age? Is that like at all a concern or a conversation? Uh, well, I mean, there's, there's two, there's two parts to that.
0: Yeah. One, one is that I fucking hated high school. And I always say the only way I would go to my high school reunion is if I was going to blow it up. And, uh,
1: (laughs) that's intense.
0: I was, I was, I was, I hated high school. I went to Catholic school for 12 years and I was fucking, I got called a faggot every day and it was just awful. And, uh, so, and she was having, you know, some struggles with, other kids and bullies and stuff. And yeah. um, you get in this kind of concept of unschooling is what they call it, where it's just sort of like, why do we make our kids like, it's this thing we're like, Oh, you'll, you know, you got to put up with these people and you know, it's part of growing up. And it's like, it's kind of not because like, if you were working in an office place where someone was tormenting you all the time, you'd either quit or try to have them fired or, you know, something like you would do something. You wouldn't just fucking take it. because it makes you you know like but that's what we tell kids that's what my parents told me you know it's just like and it kind of took us like taking her out of that environment for me to realize that, like oh yeah some of this is just bullshit like you know being on tour and and seeing the world is a much more enriching experience than you know study hall you know what i mean like and so she she she's a very social person she's when she's home, she's with her friends all the time, and so if if she were just a complete like introvert loner, then I would be more concerned about right. it. But I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, I I'm totally on board for that, and I think like we should all be progressive in the way we think about education and the way we think about that stuff. I don't I don't think that old school is the right school. I absolutely no don't. I'm just wondering, you know, because I think every kid it's it's like natural to to you know to, like, long for other things or wonder about other things. And, like, some people want that normal thing because that's, like, what her friends are probably going through. You know what I mean? But I'm sure they would love to be on tour with their dad, like, playing playing rock and roll, too. So, Well, I mean, we, we talk about it. yeah. And I was just
0: like, so what do you want to do this fall? Like, do you want to go back to brick-and-mortar school? Like, because we're not touring yeah. this fall. Like, what do you, you know, summer's, you know, a whole different kettle of fish as a parent which just like all right you can't fucking watch tv or youtube all day you have to go outside <laughs> yeah i know it's different um but the you know it's like what, what do you want to do? do you want to go back to do you want to stay in virtual school do you want to like take orchestra and choir which is what she did her first semester so she was going to brick and mortar for like two hours a day and it's just like and she's like no i really i like doing this i like playing music and she gets good grades and she still has a a social life. I mean, uh, does she have recorded stuff? Uh, she's recorded a couple songs and then the goal is to, to get her to record an album this year.
1: Cool. Are you going to be like pretty hands on with that? Or are you going to kind of let her do her own thing? What's, What's the plan there?
2: Uh, a
0: little of both. Yeah. I mean, she's a, she's a teenager, so she's not, the most motivated person in the world (laughs) and uh, she doesn't know anything about recording record engineering which i i do so but uh so yeah it's it's kind of i mean i don't the big thing the big take thing for me is i don't want to i want to be supportive but i don't want to be like a momager you know what i mean like (laughs) i don't want to be like stage stage dad who's like all right
1: smell for the camera smell for the camera right no, I know. I know. That's very cringy when you when I, I'm thinking about that. Yeah, you, it's definitely tough, though, because you don't want to like be like, OK, do whatever. And then have her make like mistakes that you made that everyone makes that you don't have to make. Yeah. You know, so I, I totally mm-hmm. I totally, totally get that.
0: Some people would be like, you should have her like audition for The Voice. And I'm like, that's not what we do. We don't go on The Voice. <laughs> we, no.
1: we go on tour and we put out records. Right. That's what the prior family does.
0: Um well, that's just, I mean, that's my... <laughs> I know, man. That's, I, I totally that's my, that my inner
1: Ian McKay going like, no! Is it Ian McKay or Ian McKay? I always thought I it would... was Ian McKay. Well, okay, for the first half of my life,
0: it was Ian McKay. And then for the... I've been corrected enough times that I started saying McKay. I But
1: I got to get him on the show and ask him, I guess. I don't know. theres <laughs> I, I hear it so many different ways. I've even heard, like, people that know the guy say it, McKay. So I don't know. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. But I always said Makai. So anyways, hey, uh, whatever. You know, we got What you going to do? What you going to do? So uh, before I let you go, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, new record came out in February. I, I read that you said it's a depressing record. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the record. Well, okay. So in 2015,
0: I lost several people in my life that I was close to all within about six months of each other. Um. And so it really got me kind of thinking. And then, you know, I turned 40 this year and just kind of like thinking about that. And just so I wanted to write both songs to remember those people that were important to me, but then also to write songs that were um, trying to be like, Enjoying the life that we have and celebrating it and like not being afraid to try things and, and take risks and, and, and that kind of, because life is short, as they say. Yeah. And so uh, it's a very stripped down, like acoustic record, and a lot of it's about death. So it can be a bit of a bummer, <laughs> you know, but bummer tunes. Yeah. It's a great record to listen to on a rainy day if you're sitting on your porch reading a book.
1: Doesn't sound you like know? that's where you are. I hear like birds. I picture sunshine where you are. I p- no, it's actually it's actually pouring down rain. It's well, it's not pouring down. It just stopped raining. Oh, it's
0: okay. A pretty. It's a. It's not a dreary day, but it's a spring day in Kansas. Can be like, like freezing cold on Monday, and then like shorts and a t-shirt on yeah, Tuesday, no, and that's not why not. everyone gets sick this time of year because the weather changes so sporadically. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm from Canada. It's the same thing. That's crazy. That's yep. cool. So, so with this record, I mean, um, it's still new. It came out in February. Um, mm-hmm. You guys you are doing a bunch of touring, obviously, for that. What are your plans? You know, I know you say you're off this fall. Are you doing more stuff with the Get Up Kids again? Are there any plans for that? Uh, well, what about some of the New been... Amsterdam stuff? Because that's one of my favorite projects you did.
0: The New Amsterdam's. I've just kind of retired the name because okay, it was so sort just of just like
1: transitioned it over. Do you still play those songs live? Yes. Cool.
0: And so I, it just got to be kind of it, – it was really just more of a business decision of just, like, not having so many things. And then also to have, like, as much as I hate being a solo artist – I'm not performing solo, but just, like, putting my name on a T-shirt is still really weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it makes sense to have it all under uh, my name, whether it's the podcast or – you know, an album or a show or whatever. because uh, I had it was kind of scatterbrained there for a while or, but then everything that I had ended with Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids. So it's like the New Amsterdam's and then on the flyer it said featuring Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kid.
1: And so might as well just have it be Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids. Right. Call it a day. Right. Um That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of so, having the same yeah. problem with my solo stuff because my solo yeah. stuff I I didn't want to put my name on a T-shirt either, so I called it River Oaks, which is you know the community I grew up in. But I think there are people that are confused that don't really understand what's going on. Yeah,
0: it, it, there there is an element of that. Uh, like, I mean, you don't. Yeah, it's hard to sell something new. It's easier to sell something that people already know I guess, the name yeah. of. Yeah. And that's you know that sounds. Cold and calculated, but it's just—it's just true. So it's like I still—I mean, the, the most of the New Amsterdam's records are basically solo records anyway. So it, if I had just called it Matt Pryor from the beginning, that probably would—but I didn't—I didn't feel comfortable. So I play those yeah. songs. I mean, if I ever wanted to do a tour that was like, you know, I, I would love—I always love the the very last new Amsterdam's full length was called at the foot of my rival. And it's my, one of my favorite records that I've ever made. And it's really heavily orchestrated. And I've always wanted to like be able to tour that, but it's just, it's just, (laughs) it's a financial impossibility. Yes, it is. Yes. But, uh, get up kids are writing a new album very, very slowly. Um, because everyone is so busy with, so many other things it's kind of like you have to wait for the planets to align just to get us together to write right and then you'll have and then you'll have to wait for the planets to you have to wait for the universes to align in order (laughs) to get us to like put a record out and tour but like we've written and recorded four songs that we're pretty pretty stoked on cool kind of kind of figured out this sort of like the way i've been pitching it is like what does the, like, it's the band who made something to write home about, but now, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like reinventing, but it's, it's current. Does that make
1: sense? It it does make sense. And that was kind of how I was, I was trying to ask you that question without, cause it's hard when you say, oh, well, what does it sound like? It's like, oh, I don't fucking know. But the get up kids, they like you, your band did have so many different periods of time, you know, like each, all of your records are very different. Right. You know? Um, so it's very hard which to is a, which is a blessing and a curse yeah, it is, so yeah, I guess I'd ask you just which album is it most similar to is you know and i guess if if something to write home about is the answer, that's an answer a lot of people are going to really like <laughs>
0: i mean I, I would say it's it's somewhere like I don't know if it's most similar to that, but it's it's definitely like there are elements of of something to write home about that we like consciously discarded like I mean, these are like for like octave chords and like doing like halftime breakdowns and stuff like that, that we now kind of realize have a place in what we do. They don't have to be the only
1: thing that we do, but, um, so, you, you so mean, yeah, you mean it, octave chords, you're, you're, you've abandoned them and you're bringing them back or you're just like not doing them anymore.
0: I wouldn't say that we're we've, we had abandoned them, I wouldn't say that we're bringing them back. We're just not, a, we're just not, there's not an outright ban on them
1: right. anymore. Right. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. That's because, yeah, like <laughs> octave chords are, can be fucking cool. Like they can really make yeah. a part sing, and it's true. Like now, whenever it's like, all right, what what lead are we gonna do over this part? If somebody dares to play an octave chord, it's like, come on, man. That's like it's like it's too easy, you know.
0: Well, and it, it does. We, that's part of the conversation too. Is it just like, okay, yeah, the octave chord sounds good. How can we revoice that? And it's like, all right, so we'll revoice it, and then like, if that's not as cool as the octave chord, then we'll go back to the octave chord. But like, you don't want it to just be like, well, here's the octave chord part, you know? Like, yeah, you want to like try different things. Or like, one of the new songs that we have, it had this like halftime part in the pre-chorus, and then the second time it happens in the song, it doesn't go into like the kind of hardcore halftime beat. It goes into like a straight. Like James Brown funk beat that like, but you don't notice it because yeah. it's just sort of like it's kind of like buried in there, like it's 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 subliminal, you know like so <laughs> yeah. like
2: yeah.
0: so a lot of the things that like we really like as as songwriters and artists is like, you know, let's make this let's where can we make this kind of funky or make this kind of groovy within this like riffy rock song, you know what I mean? So that people don't, you don't even realize that it's there until you try to learn how to play it, and then <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But yeah, that's it's it. we're making we're making a rock record. I'm not going to say it sounds like something you write home about, but there's there's elements of it that like. Well,
1: you still got another six or seven songs to write at least, right? Too so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be at least it'll be at least three or four years before it comes out. I oh, that know. oh that long? Do you guys all still live in Kansas?
0: No, that's uh, a problem then. Me and Ryan live here, Jim lives in Kansas City, James lives on Long Island, and then Rob lives in Massachusetts, but the problem is Rob plays bass in uh, that band Spoon.
1: Oh yeah, really, I didn't know that.
0: So we're kind of beholden to Spoon's schedule currently. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well. And they're busy right now. Yeah,
1: wow. they just they just put, they just nice put a him. new record out. That's good yeah. for him if that's what he wants to do. Oh, that's absolutely, sick. that's great. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a, you know they're a good band. Yeah, no, awesome man. Cool. Well, that's great. I mean, three to four years is a little a uh, bit of a wait. No, uh, I, it'll it'll probably come out next year. Oh, really? Okay, great. Okay, good, good. That's uh, the goal. That's good. So probably two years. Eh, you say a year, end. it'll be two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are that's you gonna all, do? What are you gonna do? Well, you're a busy guy. Uh, it's really great to talk to you, man. Thanks for. For everything. Good luck with the the upcoming tour, with your daughter's career, everything. It's it's awesome, man. Thanks, man. And I hope you get back into the podcasting too. I really enjoy your show. You know, I think I, th- I think I might. Well, if you want to have me on as a guest, I'd love to do it. Look at that. You just we, you just invited yourself. Uh yeah. I'm 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 I'm, I'm available, <laughs> Matt. Call me. You got my number. Fair enough. I will do it. <laughs> All right, man. You have a great day. See you later. Yeah, man. Take you too, care. man. Bye. Thanks. See ya. So there it is with Matt. Pretty cool stuff. I love how he's going out with his daughter on tour. And the song shop thing on Downright, you know, which my buddy at Mark owns. That's crazy. 800 songs. Definitely, though, hey, Mother's Day is coming up. I guess it's too late now. But how sick would it be to have Matt Pryor write a song for you? Check it out. Matt and I talked a little bit about his podcast, Nothing to Write Home About, which is awesome. Definitely Go back, check out some of the past episodes. I know it's not currently happening. Hopefully he brings it back. But that does remind me, I am talking about some of the other great podcasts on the Jabberjaw Media Network. And this particular show is actually a newer show, but my boy Dewey does a great job. It's called the Pure Pleasure podcast. And host Dewey Help Us lets you take on the role of the fly on the wall, listening in on Real Talk with your favorite artists and creatives while they discuss life, love, loss, and present the stories that shape them into who they are today. Hear them in their own words through candid and genuine conversation on pure pleasure. Upcoming guests include Anthony Green from Circus Survive. That's a guy. Adam D. of Killswitch Engage. That's also a guy. And Jeff Rickley of Thursday. Another guy. Visit purepleasurepodcast.com that's a bit of a tongue twister to check out the Pure Pleasure Podcast really is a tongue twister today and don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes to get all the latest and upcoming shows every Saturday so there you have it more stuff to check out if you've listened to all my episodes and I hope you have anyways as always I will leave you with a song here's one of my favorite Get Up Kids tracks from Something to Write Home About here is I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel on lead singer syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. Here. You know what? It's bonus bonus song time. A lot of people don't know, but Silverstein at one point did cover the Get Up Kids. And since it's flown under the radar so much, I figure, what the hell? Maybe you're interested. So here's the first Get Up Kids song I ever heard. I remember a girl put this on a mixtape for me. So here's our cover of it. And the song is called Coming Clean. Alright, bye for real. And we'll see you next week.